Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer. Thank you for joining us today. And in this episode, we have our first current player, Vito Brown, hailing from Bowling Green, Ohio, former Wisconsin Badger, been in the Final Four. You probably saw him play in 2015 in the national title game against Duke. He's been in the G League for three years, now playing overseas in France, getting ready for his fourth professional season and in this episode he's not only challenging us as coaches who work with our players but as coaches ourselves as he talks about some of his experiences in adapting to difficult and new situations the importance of having a strong mindset and mentality uh, throughout your career throughout playing the importance of being able to try new things, not being afraid to fail. And again, it's, it's not failure. So you try something and it doesn't go well. Failure is really, are we continuing to make the same mistakes? And we talk about that as well. Vito is someone I've known for a while, had the chance to train and work with for, for years, but more importantly, somebody that I would call a friend. And he's doing things that are outside of basketball as well. You know, him and his family are very talented musically. It's something that they work very hard at. Uh, he's gonna talk about how he's used that music ability in order to make a positive impact in society regarding social justice, Black Lives Matter, with some of his family, friends, and former teammates. This is a great episode. We hope that you guys enjoy it. If you do, feel free to leave a positive rating, review, subscribe, and we look forward to providing more helpful instruction for you guys to get better. Let's get after it. You are Vito Brown. I am Steve Kramer. Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, my friend. How you doing? Thank you, man. I'm glad to be here. Uh, doing well. So you're in France after spending the past three seasons in in the G League. Um, biggest biggest surprise so far of living in another country. Oh man, um, there's a lot of surprises. Um, well, shoot, even just the gas. I got gas today, and I was like. Hmm, 150 that that sounds kind of cheap and then I looked at it and I was like liters and then I, I did the conversion I was like hmm it almost it's almost four liters to one U.S. gallon which means <laughs> you have to multiply that number by you know by the amount to, to get the true dollar amount so I did the math and their their gas is almost seven dollars yeah a gallon here because yeah, it's euro too right yeah yeah so it's ridiculous when you actually <laughs> think about what it is. It's all the little, the little things that we don't think about and take for granted that you're like, whoa, this is culture shock over here. Um, for sure. Depending on the value of the Euro and the dollar. I know there were times when I was over there and, and a gallon of gas was eight or nine bucks. I was like, man, this is putting yeah. a hole in my pocket, just trying to, to fill up. It's exactly. stuff like that. It's stuff like that. It's going to the grocery store and, you know, there's just not some of the normal, normal foods. It's, it's, you know, the gas, there's a, I found out that, you know, when I was in Germany, you can't take a right on red. And I took a right on red for like two and a half years before somebody told me, Hey man, that's illegal. And I was like, geez, thankfully I never got, got pulled over. Um, well, I've done that several times here. So I don't know. I got to look up the, uh, <laughs> I gotta look up the driving uh, 
details there. You better check and see if you can do that or not in France. Because in yeah. Germany, you can't. And I didn't right. really find out until like my last month living there when I had one of my German friends was with me. And they're like, did you just take a right right here yeah. on the red light? I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, you can't do that. I was like, what? You can't. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, I guess not. It's pretty similar to driving in the U.S., but there are definitely some, some differences. So, yeah. you know, thanks for being on the Coaches Edge podcast. Um, you've been all over the place, you know, played for one of the top programs in the country at Wisconsin, one of the top leagues in the world in the G League, and now overseas playing in the top league in France, one of the best leagues in the world. Um, so, Starting back in the beginning, all right, let's rewind this up a little bit. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest things that you've learned from, you know, if you had to pick one from the high school level to the college level into the NBA G League that have stuck with you? Uh, adapting. Um, I think uh, I was fortunate to go to a high school uh, like Bowling Green with Coach Ryan Graffin because uh, – you know, I started all four years, but my first two years, I was all defense and rebound, rebounding. You know, I, I wasn't the scorer offensively, so I, I kind of learned how to play defense earlier on than I think, you know, a lot of people don't put emphasis on defense growing up. It's, it's all offense, offense, offense. So for me, it was like I was still working on my offensive capability with my older brother, but in the game, I was all defense and rebounding. So I think that kind of helped me. Uh, moving forward and then once you know the older guys graduated then I became more of a scorer and so how that ties into you know adapting was like uh, I had to adapt not only to the players around me but you know uh, my situation within that team um, and you know to the different coaching styles so I went from a school where you know I started all four years I was able to do pretty much whatever I wanted out there and uh, and had success with it to go into Wisconsin where you got eight, seven or eight guys on my same level or higher. And now it's like, okay, how am I going to adapt to this new situation, uh, this new culture shock? And, um, you know, with the different style of coaching, a hall of fame culture and coach Ryan, um, it, it was amazing, you know, and then moving to the G league. Now you got a whole different type of, uh, whole different type of, of ball. You know, it's, it's more guard oriented. It's more, uh, high pace, trying to score the ball. You're shooting threes off the dribble, off the catch with, you know, 20 seconds on the shot clock. That's unheard of at Wisconsin. <laughs> That's oh, unheard of. yeah, so, definitely. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, I kind of had to – I had to take a lot of the values that I got from Wisconsin, but I also had to unlearn a lot of things because they just – they just weren't conducive to the pro game, to the, that pro style, at least, um, in terms of, like, you know, we always work on two-hand passes. Now the pros are, like, one-hand passes quicker. Do that. Or, uh, you know, we worked on jump stops a lot. Now it was take off one foot if you can, you know, try to jump earlier, you know, because you got guys protecting the rim, stuff like this. So, you know, it, and so now that I'm in France, I've seen that it's kind of a mixture of both. You got – you know, real good guard play, real solid players who can get up and down fast too. But then you also have the structure of a more college-like system where there's more pass and there's more cutting and uh, more guys are involved. So I think uh, I've been able to adapt uh, pretty well. And I think all of my experiences are really going to help this year. The, you know, adapt, I mean, that's a, 
that's a really great choice for, you know, things that you've been able to take from those various levels and apply to your game. And, you know, playing overseas, there's a lot less games than there are in the G League, a lot more practices. And so it does make sense that there would be somewhat more of a college style feel to the game while a huge amount of international flavor, which as you know, is, is making its way, especially to the NBA level, especially with, you know, like 25% approximately of NBA players are international players coming from various parts of the world. And so you get really get that mixture and you're getting that mixture um, playing overseas. Um, we like to talk about challenges and how, you know, winning and success is, is great. It's fun. But often we learn from challenges the most. What has been one of the biggest challenges for you as a player that's allowed you to continue to grow and develop? Um, for me, it's it's always mental. Um, I feel like I'm a player and, you know, we've worked out obviously several times and I feel like there's not too many weaknesses in my physical game, what I'm able to do out there on the court offensive, offensively and defensively. So then it comes down to, like you teach your players, you know, you got to you know, we can do all these drills all day, but if you're not putting them into the game, if you don't have the confidence to do it, if you don't have the, you know, ability, then it's like, why are we working on all this? So um, for me, that's always been kind of my wall that I got to get past. And every year I feel like I'm breaking that wall down a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, that it, it, it's hard. And, you know, getting down on yourself is another thing. It's like uh, – you know, you, you feel like you get fouled or something and, and you're sitting there complaining to the ref while the other team's going down five on four and you're putting your team at a disadvantage or, you know, you miss a shot, you put your head down for a second, you could have got the offensive rebound to drop right in front of you. So it was actually interesting. Uh, this coach earned my respect really early on because about three days ago, which was four or five days since I've been here, um, he was like, you know, I got some film for uh, for us to watch together. And so I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, some about my game, you know, skills wise, yada yada. It was the 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 heading of the clips that he put together was like uh, dealing with frustration or something like that or uh, adversity or something. And he was like, as you can see, you know, I created this on July 1st. So you know, it's like they've been doing extensive research. You know, he's already had this plan for for a long time. And it was just like various clips of me this past season, like reps missing the call and I'm sitting there going like this or, you know, like putting my head down slouching. And it's like, it was kind of funny because I'm like, dang, you know, they got me. <laughs> like they, you know, I'm 4,000 miles away and they see exactly, you know, what was going on. But uh, that's going to be one of the big challenges for me. And I'm glad that he brought it to my attention because it's like, now I can go into this season with a focus like, all positive, something doesn't go right, you know, get it back to the next play, stuff like that. And it's things that you know, but when they put such a strong emphasis on it right away, that's going to definitely help me uh, developmentally. So this is this is great for a few reasons. One, it's great for all the reasons that you just mentioned. But two, your attitude for that cannot be understated. And this is why I've enjoyed working with you and getting to know you over the years is because if that happened for the average player, they're probably not going to respond the way that you did. They're, they're going to take it more personally. I just got getting to know this coach. 
why is he throwing, you know, these clips of me where I'm not, I'm not looking good. Right. And for the coaches listening, that speaks volumes for your character and it speaks volumes for, you know, that coach. He's not, he just wants to win, right? He just wants the team to, to be successful. He wants what's in your best interest and what's in the team's best interest. Otherwise, he wouldn't have spent all that time and done that research, cut all those yeah. video clips to, to bring it up. And I think that's a great reminder that we need to have with the players that we work with who may not take it as well as you do of like, listen, I'm not trying to, to hurt you. I'm not, I want to win. Like we're on the same team. We're on the same page. Let's find ways that we can get better. And if that means me showing a, a clip of you getting fouled and the ref didn't call it and you're putting your hands up complaining, right. if that's what it takes for us to get better, let, let's do it. And so that, again, that says just a, a lot about uh, character that I think can't be, can't be understated. Um, you played on various teams. You've been traded in the, in the G League. You've gone from, you know, West Coast to, to East Coast and everywhere in between. Um, how do you handle bouncing back from a big change or a big adjustment to prepare for a new situation? Yeah, so <laughs> I got thrown right into the fire my first year in the G League. Um, and I hadn't quite been in a situation like that. Um, I guess the only thing I could really liken it to was back in AAU days where I played for like three teams in the same summer. That was by choice, though. So it wasn't like I was being forcibly moved. So I guess, you know, I was kind of used to being able to play with different systems, different people. But, you know, obviously this is a, high, a much, much higher level. So it was like, you know, I I just got comfortable in Wisconsin. You know, I'm like, man, you know, I'm an hour away from Madison. Like, this is a perfect situation. Boom, you're gone. <laughs> so then it was like I was ready to be a practice player, actually. Just like they were going to take care of my living, um, maybe help with groceries, but like no pay. And so I'm literally – this was two days after I got cut when they came back from their trip or whatever. I'm walking into to the gym for practice, and I get a call from my agent. Like, you just got picked up by the uh, the Clippers G League. So, go back, pack your stuff. I'm like, dang, I was just about to practice. Can I practice first? <laughs> so, it was just like, you know, and then once I got there, like you said, the whole style was different. Like, it, when I was with Wisconsin, I was playing four or five. They had me icing screens, shooting mid-range, no threes, really. And, uh, you know, then I get to the Clippers, and they're like, all right, right away let's uh work on pick and pop threes let's uh switch all ball screens so it was just like completely different situation but like i said i was kind of prepared for it um just on my upbringing and, and being at a high school where i was kind of the man you know i was able to work on a lot of different facets of my game and that kind of prepared me for uh this um this league but i think it comes from uh it's just mental fortitude at that point. You know what I mean? Just resilience. Like, yes, it's going to be weird. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be different. These people don't know you. And it's like, man, they've already been established playing together for a month, but it just came down to like, I can either come here, complain about my situation and ride the bench and watch them have fun out there. Or I can, you know, really take this serious focus on what, what the guys in my position are doing good and what they're not doing so good. And then, try to capitalize on all of that. So that's what I did. It says, uh, again, a lot about your mental attitude, being able to adjust at a faster 
great because I think from the outside looking in, we look at players that maybe in the NBA, the G League overseas, high level college, and we're like, oh man, they got it, they got it made. Like they're doing what they they love to do, what they want to do, and it's all good. And I can't be further from the truth. Right? Everybody has their own background and story and struggle. And granted, some places you might be making millions of dollars and some places you might be making thousands of dollars, but everybody still has their own struggles and, and battles and adjustments that they have to make regardless of what level that they're playing on. And it's important for us to keep that in mind. Um, mm. So as you go through and you enter your, your third season, this was clearly your, your best season, right? I mean, mm-hmm. over 15 points a game, uh, you shot just under 50% from the field, just under 40% from, from three, like six and a half boards a game. Um, I mean, it was just an all-around game. And then what, what that doesn't say is, you know, defensively, you're a guy that guards multiple positions at a high level, which I think that really benefited you, you know, from – High school, like you talked about, you had to do a lot of everything in high school. Um, Wisconsin is known for a team that plays tough defense. Big Ten basketball is arguably the most physical kind of kind of grind style of basketball. So you were prepared for that on the defensive side of the ball when you get to you know that next level of the G League. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you did from a skill standpoint or a mental standpoint? that allowed you to have your best season as a player last year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of just did what I had been doing. Um, you know, the, the work has not really changed uh, from, shoot, from college, you know, from going into college to, to now it's, you know, basketball is fundamentals. You know, obviously, you know, every year you're going to try to add something new maybe you're gonna you're gonna work on your footwork more you're gonna work on your quickness your athleticism so you know all those things obviously I'm continuing to work on but from uh you know it wasn't like I was trying to reinvent the wheel it was more just like like I said I'm starting to break down that mental wall so now I'm just starting to do some of the things that I've been able to do all along but now it looks like I'm a whole different player because I actually did it in the game for everybody to see so for me it was just uh and, and, you know, I, it was another – I had actually came off of a uh, MCL tear. So that was I – because I had signed in Greece in August, okay, and then like five days before I was working out, slipped, boom. So I was, I was out for two months. And so, you know, that contract was voided. And so then it was like, all right, well, the G League is right around the corner. So right as I was finishing, like, my rehab, like I had just played one-on-one for the first time, couple of days later I get a call you got traded to Erie so then I, I drove out that day and uh so I'm still like you know not super confident in my you know my health at that point and we get thrown right into the fire you know we're running we're playing two a days it's hard you know and I'm like dang you know now my hips are hurting because it's like I haven't been running like this in a long time so I kind of had a you know a slow start I had to kind of really earn my spot again which, you know, people don't really understand that either. They think, oh, it's your third year in the G League, you're automatically the man now. Like, no, I played two minutes the second game of the season, didn't even get in the fifth game of the season. And that was in Canton, Ohio. So I was like, man, in front of the family, <laughs> like, this hurts. <laughs> so for me, it was just like, 
I, I can't go back to, you know, my first two years. I can't repeat the same mistakes. I can't be complacent. I can't blame my situation. And uh, so then it was like, all right, just show what you can do. And I think uh, once, you know, I kind of released that pressure on myself and it was just like, just go out there, have fun, do your thing. Then, you know, the rest just kind of fall, fall in place, you know, and it was like, then now I'm like top three, top four score on the team. Now I'm getting rebounds and playing defense one through five. And, you know, a lot of good things are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, make sure that you guys listen, if you haven't check out some Vito's, Vito's highlights, because, you know, extremely fundamentally sound works really well off the ball after setting the screen. Um, but he will, put it on the floor and cram on you. And I'm not just talking about myself getting dunked on when we're working out. I'm talking about Taco Fall, right, who's playing for the Celtics right now, and a handful of, of other players um, aggressive getting to the rim, which I'm sure your uh, team overseas appreciates as well. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the system. The, the system can play a big role in how we are we're, – we're playing. You know, I think of – when I was a, a college player for two years, we ran the Wisconsin swing offense, my, my right. freshman and sophomore year. Yeah. And, but it, it wasn't nearly as uh, kind of free as even your, yours was when you were, were playing for Wisconsin. There was mm-hmm. no ball screens. Um, it was a lot of guard post-ups and coming from a high school my high school coach was like, you're a point guard. You're never going to post up in college. We're never going to practice that. And then I'm now I'm playing college basketball and, and one of the few programs that they're like, no, Steve, you're going to post up. Like, that's probably going to be your first catch. It's like, whoa, this is not what I'm comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. So the system, and then, then we flipped it the last two years and we're one of the best teams in the country, um, yeah. you know, just because it was a better fit for our personnel. Can you talk about how the – you have to find a way to fit within the system that you're in. You know, everybody says, be a star with the role that you're in. How were you able to do that last year that also allowed you to find that success? Yeah, so, yeah, I've, I've played in multiple systems in a short amount of time. Um, a lot of different philosophies, you know, it, it's one game, but every, every coach approaches it a little bit differently and some much differently. So like even with the swing, you know, the ball never really went to the corners. We are wings, uh, top and uh, lane lines. And, and then now in the NBA, it's like run straight to the corner. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's way different. Um, and then, you know, this past season, my coach actually was uh, coaching overseas for like the four years prior to that, uh, Coach Ryan Pannon. So he had an, uh, a mix of, you know, that overseas flavor mixed with kind of what the NBA expected. So it actually, like I said, it worked out to my benefit because overseas is closer to Wisconsin style. And then plus I had been in the G League for two years already. So I kind of had a, a nice mix of, of both worlds there. Um, and then as for playing within the role, it was, uh, that's what I tried to do. I tried to make sure I wasn't pigeonholed into one role. Um, and obviously, you know, certain players with certain different, levels of ability, you know, if you're only good at posting up, then yes, you should stay down there. Or if you're only good at, you know, playing hard nose defense or hustle plays, then do that. But if you're a guy like me who has multiple different skills, it's like, 
you don't want to overcomplicate the game by doing too much, but you also want to show that you do have versatility and that, okay, I'm not just a catch and shoot guy, or I'm not just a pick and pop guy. I can put it on the floor like you said, or I can, you know, throw a, uh, throw a dime off the dribble or, or whatever it be, may be. So I tried to do a good job of showing that in practice and in the games. And then, you know, with his system, it was, no mid-range jumpers. So, you know, that was a little different for me, you know, because uh, I consider myself a pretty good mid-range shooter. So then it was like, all right, now you can either adjust and adapt to this or you can get taken out and, and, and watch other guys do it. So it was like, you know, I don't mind not shooting twos that much. Like, I'll just go to the three line. So then it became like, all right, how's my spacing, you know? Uh, you know, am I, am I keeping active uh, when the ball is not in my area and stuff like that? So I think it kind of allowed me to grow as a player. And then now it's like this coach has already put in two things that we did all this past year. And it's like, he's like, yeah, you should be an expert at this. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> so yeah, it's real helpful. And I, I'm really uh, thankful for this past year. That's awesome. Um you really shot – I did a YouTube video breakdown of you shooting one specific way mm-hmm. off of the back pedal. And it, it could be off the ball. It could be after uh, setting a, a ball screen and popping back. Mm-hmm. Was, was that something that you really had to practice, something that you did a lot during the season and your workouts with the team? How did you become so effective at – you know, basically what I'm explaining is a lot of times you'd set a ball screen. Mm-hmm. pick and pop but because of you know where the placement of the ball screen where it was on the court and as you said finding and and giving space to the person with the basketball a lot of times you're not screening opening up and then that's it you're backpedaling back out to a specific spot on the three-point line keeping right. your hips to the rim hands ready boom and then knocking the three three ball down how did you become so good at that <laughs> Uh, I mean, I got to give credit to, first off, my dad and then uh, Coach Ryan Cardock um, at BGSU because when I was working out, you know, with them or with him growing up, first off, and then with, with Cardock after college, it was like uh, they had me doing workouts where I just kind of always had to be ready. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't specifically say, like, do this, do that. Like sometimes they would. For the most part, it was like you had to adjust on the fly. So, like, one time he might throw a pass right away. Another time he might wait two or three seconds. But you still had to be in your low uh, shot-ready position. So, I think naturally the footwork just kind of came with it, with just being like, I'm always ready to shoot. You know, I'm not standing back up. I'm staying low. So, if that means, you know, I got to keep backpedaling until he's ready to pass the ball or – if I got to run a little bit faster this way or slide. So I practiced a lot of different feet footworks. And it was like, I think, you know, still naturally, you know, my go-to is going to be the left foot forward, right foot back, but I can shoot off of any footwork now because I practice them all. (laughs) And and I think, um, so to answer your question on how it just happened naturally, it's not something that they were like, all right, let's practice 20 times where you're back backpedaling and your right foot is the plant foot. And then, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It was just, all right, do these. And so I would kind of switch it up throughout the workout and just go with it, <laughs> go with the flow. 
which tells me two things. One, you, you are getting those reps in. It's not like you just, you were naturally good at, you practice those oh, game type, game type shots at the other, the other side of it. You weren't being so specific of, like you said, got to have this foot here. Then I step with this foot here. And what I found with really good players, especially is if they're on balance, they're good to go. You know, um, I mean, unless we're working out together and we're working on like a really specific move. I don't know if I've ever told you anything about your stance when you take a shot. Like if you're on balance, you feel good about it, let it go. And that's one thing that I found with players that can really shoot it is if they have great balance, it doesn't matter what type of footwork they're using. They can still, you know, because you can shoot off the hop. You can shoot off of a step in. You can shoot off of a outside foot, inside foot, or an inside foot, outside foot. As long as at the end of it, you're on balance and in rhythm, that's a that's a good shot for you. And, you know, you practiced it within those workouts with Coach Cardock, Coach Graffine, which was actually one of the questions that I had written mm-hmm. down for you. you know, your high school coach played a big impact on your career. Can you talk a little bit about what you, what Coach uh, Von Graffine did for you uh, through a high school player and continues to do today? Yeah, yeah. Coach Graffine is the man. He he knows it. I know it, and I and I let everybody else know it. Um, I I probably I one hundred percent would not have went to Wisconsin if it wasn't for him. Um, just because you know he he exposed us to such good competition all over the place that a lot of coaches didn't do. I think a lot of coaches would settle for the local people like playing the teams in the SLL and stuff. And that's not to, you know, say anything bad about them, but we just never played again. Like I've never played against Otsego in my entire life <laughs> or Eastwood or any of those. So it was like, um, you know, he would take us into the city playing against uh, teams from Toledo, Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, you know, all over the place. And then, you know, he would take us to this, uh, these summer camps in Wisconsin at the Dells and then eventually at the University of Wisconsin. And, um, you know, that's where I was seeing my junior year. And they were like, you know, he's good, but he's not there yet. That was the kind of the feedback that I got through him. And then so, you know, when that next year rolled around, um, I balled out, you know, the assistant coach saw the first game and he told me the head coach would be there next game. I ended up getting offered after my second game. So it was just like Coach Rafine obviously shaped where I went to college, but Beyond that, I mean, he he always had his uh, bar and gym open for anybody who wanted to do extra work. It just so happened that me and my older brother were two of the few who <laughs> actually, you know, used it to its full potential. And we would we'd be in there shooting thousands, thousands. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I don't shoot a lot of threes like when I practice because they take longer. <laughs> if they're further away, it is like if I'm by myself, it's like I'm not trying to you know, chase down all these balls. And uh, and even when I have a, you know, a rebounder, it would usually be, you know, me, my brother, and my dad. And, you know, he would have his gun set up in there. And, you know, the, the roof is kind of short, so you really can't shoot threes anyway um, with with a good arc. Otherwise, they're going to hit the ceiling. So, um, but, you know, that's kind of off track. But the point is that, you know, Coach Rafine has always been accessible. He's always been available. And, um, you know, he's never – stunted my growth in any way he allowed me to like I said be a leader of the of of a young team after the vets left and then you know to kind of just play play any game that you know that would prepare me for the next level and so uh 
you know, I'm just forever grateful uh, to Coach Rafine, really. He, t he told me one time um, he knew that we were working out together when I got back in, in mm -hmm. town and I ran into him. And he said, you know, people have asked me why I let Vito do so much as a high school player. And he said, if you would have seen how many hours he was putting in as a high school coach, why wouldn't I let him do all those things <laughs> during the season? Because he earned it in the, in the off season. And it was really cool to hear that from your coach, from any high school coach where, listen, the opportunity is there for, for any player to get better. Your high school coach wants you to get better. Do you take advantage of it? You're an example of someone who took advantage of it. And because of that, you earned your coach's respect and you earned your coach's trust when the season came around to become an all-around player, to handle the ball, to shoot, to drive. Um, a lot of coaches, I think, might have just stuck you in the post as a high school player and say, oh, he's 6'8", he's you know, bigger, stronger, more athletic. We're going to pigeonhole his game. And right. Coach Graffin didn't do that. And then now you wouldn't have the game that you did now if you yeah. would have picked up a lot of those skills late. So he's, he's definitely a true testament to that as well as your, your family. Yeah. Um, what's regarding basketball player development, any yeah. area, what's something that you wish people asked you about, but don't. Can you, um, explain <laughs> <that> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't know I was a couple of tough questions to finish. <laughs> out. Um, you know, like for example, with, mm. with me, and being a player development coach and a program development coach, um, everybody assumes that I'm a basketball trainer and like that's what, what I do for a living. But nobody actually asked me about what I do, right? And, and how I make my, my living. And anybody that does would find out, no, I'm not in the gym for eight hours working with eight kids, an hour a session, and, and that's what I do all day long. Really couldn't be further, further from <laughs> the truth but nobody nobody asked me really about it they just kind of assume okay mm -hmm. he's a he's a trainer and so that's how he makes his money which really it's it's not it's program development it's online training mm -hmm. it's it's running camps and clinics in your shoes as a as an athlete as a basketball player is there something that you're like man they just don't know and, and, and if they asked me I would gladly tell them <laughs> yeah I mean that's a good point. Uh, and I know a lot of us players kind of get fed up with that. Like, oh, you play basketball? Yeah, yeah, you know, you you got a slew of questions that you've answered a thousand times. Uh, but for me, you know, I, I kind of try to take pride in it, you know. Um, you know, it's my profession. Obviously, it's not the only thing I do. But, you know, I'm in a unique situation where I kind of put my talents on public display, you know, my, my musical talents and stuff like that. So, in college, I was low-key, no, I was known as, <laughs> you're that singer. <laughs> like, it's a, it was different for me. I would almost be like, dang, you know, I play basketball too. <laughs> like, that's why you know me. But yet, every time it's like, uh, oh, you're the guy who sings. And even if you, you know, if you go back and watch uh, any broadcast, any TBT that I've played in, any a lot of G League games I've played in, uh, G League games, you'll hear the announcer say something about my musical background. They'll say, yeah, he's actually a really good singer too. His family used to do it. Then, you know, it's always the same thing. So, you know, I, that it's funny, but at the same time, like 
I appreciate it. I enjoy it because, like I said, this is another area of my life that I spend a lot of time in and, and a lot of time uh, trying to work on. So, but, you know, if I, if I don't put these things out there, I'm not really disappointed when people don't ask about them because it's like, well, how would you know what to ask, you know, if, uh, if I really haven't showed, if I, you know, if I've kept to myself or only showed this side of me. So it's not really a, a big thing for me. You've, uh, you just came out with a song that you know talks about social justice it's on spotify you want to talk about that for a moment yeah yeah so this, uh the way it came about you know my brother's a legitimate musical producer now so he you know he makes all the beats and all that and uh and he had made this beat over a year ago but i had told him as soon as he made it i was like this is one of my favorite beats that you've ever done and that you ever will do <laughs> it uh and so, you know, but I, I failed many times to actually put good words into it. I was like, I can't come up with something like that is uh, worthy of this track. <laughs> so, and then, you know, with everything going on, I was just scrolling through Instagram, honestly. And I had the, the song playing in the background and I just started writing some stuff down. I was like, hold on, that, that doesn't sound bad. And so then, you know, my brother was at home. So I, you know, I emailed him, you know, what I came up with. And he was like, that's got potential, you know? And so then I was talking to my college teammate, Riley Deering, who is known as West Dayton now. Um, he, we had been talking about since college, you know, getting on a song together and stuff like that, but we never actually did it. So then I was like, well, I came up with some words of this, man, you know, see if you can come up with a chorus uh, and, and maybe a verse. So I emailed it to him. He sent something back within like two days. So then, showed my brother he was like now nah, i gotta hop on it <laughs> he's like i wouldn't even go hop on it at first but now let, let, let me get my verse in there so it just became like a big project like that and it was it was funny because if you hear the song you probably assume that all three of us were together working on it but at no point were we all together working on it and uh you know my brother he did his on his own i did my verse on my own you know he gave me some pointers like you know say this maybe a little bit you know softer say this with more aggression yada yada but in terms of you know us actually being in the studio together never happened so i mean i guess that's just a cool part of you know social media and uh you know this this new digital age that we're in but i think we we're able to make a good song that really speaks to to the the hearts and feelings of a lot of people and um you know hopefully people keep listening and and enjoying it what's the what's the name of the song so people can look it up right now uh, song is called "Fight for Your Rights." So, "Fight for Yeah Y A Rights." I, I'll uh, have to put that on the the show notes as well. But you know, yeah. a tribute to you for for being you know not pigeonholing yourself into hey I'm a basketball player I'm, I'm an athlete mm -hmm. this is this is what I do but you know you have a platform and you have something to say and you're you're using that for social justice which is phenomenal. There's not a <laughs> is there a better reason to use your platform than that. Right. No, especially not in the day and age that, that we're in right now. So uh, right. props to you for, for taking advantage of that and working with, with some people around you and using your talents in music and your family background mm -hmm. to do something like that is, is pretty amazing as Thanks. well. Um, as we finish out the podcast, Vito, advice is always something that we're, we're trying to give to a younger generation. Is there any advice that 
um, you wish someone would have given you or that you've taken taken from that you wish you would have known as a younger player? Oh, man. I mean, I, I've, all, I've always been fortunate to have kind of random people pop up <laughs> and, and kind of help me along my journey. Um, besides, obviously, my dad and my brother, um, you know, randomly met you at the community center, randomly met Cardock at a uh, open gym. Um, once I got to college, uh, I met a tall guy in a bookstore, a tall African guy in a bookstore. He, like his hands were as big as mine, but he was like 6'4". So I'm like, you know, he, he introduced himself to me and then he was like, uh, yeah, let, let's work out, you know, sometime. And we did. And so then he ended up being like my trainer throughout college, had me doing some some crazy but good stuff. And so it was just like I've, I've had these random encounters um, that have really helped shape my game. And uh, but let me see, what, what do I wish? I guess I wish I would have just taken what they've said a little bit more serious at a younger age. Um, because I had all of the I had all of the wisdom coming at me. It wasn't like uh, I just didn't know. It was more like I didn't really heed their advice. Um, one of them, you know, I was never a stranger to hard work, so that that's not it. You know, I, I definitely always worked hard, but from the the mental side of it, it was just like uh, I wish I just would have put in. I wish I would have took more risk. I guess that's what I would say. Uh, because the older you get, the harder it is to implement new things into your game because you feel like, like you say, you're, you're afraid to mess up. You're on a high level. So it's like, dang, what's going to happen? But, you know, if you start doing these things at, you know, fifth and sixth grade, seventh grade or whatever, when it doesn't really matter, and then now you're getting comfortable doing it, I think that's what's – I think that's where all these young phenoms are coming from now. They just, like, they don't care. You know, whoever's advising them is telling them, like, just go out there and do it. It doesn't matter. Like – you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to lose a job for, you know, making a turnover or trying something new. So, and I think once they get that confidence, you know, you've been doing this for years now, by the time you get to, you know, high school and college, now it's like, now you're, you're legitimate pro potential. So I think that would be the main thing is like, just go out there. Don't be afraid to fail. Take those risks. Um, and that doesn't mean go out there force a, Steph Curry or Dame Lillard, uh, you know, uh, range three-pointer, but it means like, okay, you know, I might try to go between legs on this guy. I might try to cross this guy uh, because, you know, I see that one foot is higher than the other. But instead of, dang, I know what to do here, but I'm just going to take one dribble, and if he doesn't bite, I'm going to pass it, you know, and stuff like that. So because I think one thing that people think is uh, – you know, when you do moves to get by your defender, it's just for you to score, but it's not. Obviously, if you get by your defender, you got a help side come up. Now you got to dump down to the big or you got to kick out to the three. And so I think it's like, uh, you know, the guys who had the most success in the game, the Lucas, the, uh, the Kawhi Leonard's, the, you know, whatever, they all have the ability to handle the ball. And then from that, they have the mental to make the right play. And so I think, I think that's important not being afraid to make mistakes. And I think as young players, that's great advice because and even as coaches, we can put too much pressure on winning. We can put too much pressure on a result at a sixth grade level, for example, instead of saying, hey, this is the best time to grow. This is the best time to learn and make mistakes. And 
as you mentioned, if you can have different coaches or mentors in your life that are more on that side of things where, hey, try something new, add something new. What's, a, what's the worst that could happen? You're just going to grow. And if you do fail, you have learned something through that process so that you can do it better the next time. Like failure is not a bad thing. If you keep failing the same way, that's the bad thing. That's the mistake, right? If, if we keep finding a new way to mess up, we're only going to grow. We're only going to improve. Uh, it's just when we keep repeating those same mistakes that that's when we, we really get in trouble. But we can't be afraid to try some of those new things. Vito, I want to wish you luck as you, as you continue to begin your overseas season, playing one of the top leagues and in France. Thank you for joining the Coach's Edge podcast. And I'll leave the last words to you as we close it out. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Um, I, I really think that, you know, the work that I put in with you this summer, just in the, in the couple short weeks that you were here, is, re is really going to help my game uh, this year. Uh, be it the step through, you know, the, the pump fake and the up and under step through. Um, you know, just seeing the physicality of the game out here is is definitely, it's refreshing too, because, you know, it's like, it's a new challenge. Like you said, it's a, you know, I might mess up out here, you know, but yesterday's practice, like every shot was going in and out. And, you know, the coach, you know, maybe attributed it to, uh, you know, having to work harder on offense and defense than you're used to. I don't want to give the defense that much credit. I just missed the shots. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this new chapter and um, definitely follow along. Sweet, sweet. I'll be sure to put your contact information, your social media handles in our show notes for you that want to continue to follow Vito's career. Uh, he's doing some, some great things. And as, as he mentioned, it's just another opportunity in a different situation for him to continue to get better and improve his game. So thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge pod. Y'all get after today. Share this out with somebody who might find it beneficial. And let's dominate the details and keep getting better. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. And a special thank you to Vito Brown for taking the time to speak with us. Big Ten player, G League player, overseas player talking about adapting, overcoming challenges, being able to use failure as a benefit and a learning experience. And man, that, there's so many things in that that apply to everyday life as a coach. If you're a high school player, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, whatever it might be. And man, don't put the weight of the world on your shoulders. Fail, learn from it, be better for it and move forward. I hope that those are just a few of the takeaways that you had from this podcast and listening to Vito share some of his story. Thank you again for listening. Please share it out with somebody who may also find it beneficial. Have a great day. Get after it.